Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. I hope everyone listening had a wonderful holiday weekend. I did, and uh, this is the beginning of my favorite stretch of the year, that time between Thanksgiving and the end of the year when things just seem to glow a little brighter and seem a little more hopeful. So I hope uh, you are feeling the same way as we get back to work for that last stretch. This time of year inspires the invocation of a well-worn cliche in Lansing. There ought to be a law. A law against the idea of lame duck legislating, in this case. That's what it's called when legislators who are on their way out the door, mostly due to term limits, spend their last month in office passing legislation they would not have contemplated if they still had to face voters. And if you think back into Michigan history, you can come up with examples of some of the worst legislation we have ever faced being passed during that span. This year, there are a few big issues that Lansing may try to tackle, including whether to change the state's brand new minimum wage law and whether to alter the new employee paid sick time law. Joining us now to talk more about the madness we may endure over the next couple of weeks is Shana Roth. She is the Capitol reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Shana, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Also with us is Jake Neer. He's a producer here on Detroit Today. Jake, welcome to the studio. Hey, Stephen. And together, Jake and Shana are the hosts of Mishmash, which is a weekly series where they unjumble important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issues that affect you. You can hear it on Fridays during All Things Considered and on Sundays during Weekend Edition. That's right. Listen. That's right. Listen to Mishmash. <laughs> uh, we are big fans of Mishmash here at Detroit Today, of course. Uh, so um, let's start with the minimum wage and paid sick time laws and talk about what happened earlier this year with both of those issues and why it is that the Republican-dominated legislature approved them in the first place, but now maybe going back to tweak them a little bit. So, yeah, these were petition-initiated laws, which means you may have seen people circulating petitions asking you to sign something to increase the minimum wage or uh, guarantee paid sick leave for workers in Michigan. And so, uh, though they got enough signatures to put that on the ballot, uh, the lawmakers got first bite at that. And the conversation there was really, do we allow this to go to the ballot and maybe turn out more votes for, you know, more liberal-minded voters uh, and issues and, and candidates? Or do we, uh, you know, get ahead of this, make it law now, which also makes it easier to make changes to those laws later uh, as a legislature? Uh, you can then change them by a simple majority instead of having a super majority to make changes. And uh, that's exactly what they're talking about doing now in lame duck. Exactly. And there are several bills that have already been introduced. They were introduced before the Thanksgiving uh, season. There's two of them so far, but I'm hearing that there are probably going to be more in this sort of effort to hit the reset button, as I think one lawmaker said uh, about these these two bills. Um, and, and really, I think this is really showing that when they passed the bills or the proposals then uh, a few a little while ago, it was really a part of this strategy so that way they could come back and make changes to it. So one of the bills would essentially reinstate the lesser minimum wage for tipped restaurant workers. Um, and then the other one would get rid of uh, several provisions in the paid sick time 
law that uh, that was essentially supposed to help employers if they wanted to sue their employee, no, help employees if they wanted to sue employers. It had presumptions against employers uh, to sort of help them do that if they thought that their employer was not following this law. So these are sort of the, the base level uh, bills that have already been then introduced, and there's likely going to be more in the next few weeks. Yeah, we don't know for sure if there's uh, actually an intention at this point to decrease the minimum wage or, or get rid Correct. of these protection, mm-hmm. protections for paid sick leave. So, so one of the questions I think ordinary people might sit and ask about this kind of thing is, why is the legislature permitted to do things like this? They stopped citizens effectively from making this decision for themselves, which would have been legislative proof, right? The, they couldn't have come back and, and changed it that way. But now they'll go back and, and do it on their own and thwart the will of all those people who signed those petitions to be able to decide for themselves. What is it in, in Michigan's uh, constitutional nature that says this is okay? I, I was going to say, if you want the intention of why that was, you'd have to ask the people who drafted the 1963 <laughs> Constitution here in Michigan. Not uh, many of them left around. That's true. That is very true. Um, uh, it, but that is absolutely what the Constitution says. It's this whole mechanism. It's the difference between if you're collecting signatures for a petition-initiated law, which requires fewer signatures, or a constitutional amendment, which requires far more signatures. That one gets a, That one does not have to go through through the legislature that goes straight to voters. So um, there are a whole lot of different sort of technical, you know, provisions about what it means to be a petition initiated law uh, and what it means to be a constitutional amendment going to the ballot. Uh, so, but yeah, that's in the 1963 Constitution. But Shana, does does it ever occur to legislators that they are contravening the will of voters by doing these kind of things? And do they ever pay a price for doing that? I think it occurs to the lawmakers who are not in favor of uh, passing those proposals and sort of <laughs> right. contra- contravening the, the will of the voters. Um, you know, I think in some cases they can pay the price. I mean, we, we'll never know directly you know, why somebody lost their seat or lost their reelection bid uh, because of, you know, this specific thing. But, you know, it is definitely something that, um, you know, the lawmakers, in this case, a lot of Democrats, they were very much against passing these proposals because they were concerned that Republicans were going to come back in lame duck now only needing a simple majority and make a bunch of changes to these laws. So this is something that they have been harping on and talking about really ever since these proposals went in front of the legislature and saying, you know, do not, you know, we are going to vote because we believe in these proposals. Uh, We want to pass these proposals as is. But, you know, everybody beware because Republicans could come back and do this. And so I think it's one of those things where, because they waited until after the election to sort of start to make these changes, it n- didn't necessarily have a big impact on the election itself because everything was hypothetical at the time. Um, but now I think it's possible that going forward, you know, this is something that if they really do gut these laws, if they really do, um, you know, really take away the spirit of these laws, Democratic lawmakers later on can say, look, you know, remember a few years ago, this is what they did. This is, you know, they they were not honest. They did not carry out your will or give you the chance to 
to vote on something like this. And of course, that's why you do this in lame duck. I mean, this is why Republicans would take this up now. A lot of them are either term limited or they're going Mm -hmm. to a different chamber or they're going to some, you know, bigger and better things for them. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and this is when they have that chance to get something through while you're sleeping at three o'clock in the morning uh, that, you know, if you catch it in the news (laughs) the next morning, you know, you hear about it. But uh, this is also when voters are most likely to forget about what you're doing because it's not until two years later that you face an election again, even if you are a sitting legislature or a sitting legislator. And if you're in the Senate, it's four years. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of protection for people to take really controversial votes in the next couple of weeks. So watch out. Well, I mean, if you if you think back to and I won't remember which year it was, I think it's 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, right to work yeah. uh, gets passed during lame duck as a revenge, uh, Governor Snyder says, against the referendum that was on the ballot that failed, of course, mm-hmm. it didn't pass anyway. Uh, you know, that was a very controversial thing to do in a state like Michigan. Neither the legislature, though, nor the governor and ever paid a price for that. That's true. And I, I'm not sure if it was Snyder that said it was revenge. There were members of the legislature, I think, including one person who will be majority leader in the state Senate, who <laughs> yeah, said yeah. pretty much that. Well, I mean, I remember uh, Governor Snyder saying this wouldn't have happened if not for that referendum, which he warned yeah. uh, the, the, the labor movement, the labor sector about not doing and said, right. if this happens, I can't control what might happen uh, in response. Yeah, practically speaking, there's a good chance that that's true, uh, that if they hadn't tried to put uh, enshrine collective bargaining rights in the state's constitution right. unsuccessfully, that uh, Republicans may had, have not felt so emboldened to do that in 2012. I think that that's a, a you know, pretty fair uh, statement there. Um, now, the, the, that lame duck, I mean, think about that year. It wasn't just, it wasn't just um, right to work, which saw thousands of people protesting on the Capitol lawn, and it was also the emergency manager law, which yes, you could argue right. was going around the will of the people because they had just um, you know, put, put up for referendum the existing emergency manager law. Uh, and this one put that back into place with even more protections and making, making it an even more powerful position. You saw the bills that uh, it led to the Illich's, uh, you know, Little Caesars Arena and the tax breaks that went to them. You saw all kinds of really controversial legislation. I believe there was abortion bills. I believe there were gun bills. I mean, it was like everything you could throw at the wall and see what sticks. Um, So it's going to be interesting, this being the last year of eight years of Republican control. That was the first lame duck session in that eight-year period. This is the last lame duck uh, period where um, lawmakers have complete control of the legislature and the governor's office. So I'm interested to see what that means for Mm. really crazy and controversial bills coming through. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Shana Roth, a Capitol reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also with us is Jake Neer, one of the producers here on Detroit Today. They are together the co-hosts of Mishmash, a weekly series where they unjumble important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issues that affect you. You can hear Mishmash on Fridays during All Things Considered, and you can hear it on Sundays during Weekend Edition. We're talking about the lame duck session that uh, will get started in Lansing uh, very soon and run maybe through uh, through some weeks in December. What are legislators likely to do? This is 
a kind of crazy time of year sometimes in Lansing where people bring up issues that they would not have brought up if they still had to face voters when they pass legislation that uh, they think they can sneak through without the voters ever noticing or trying to get back at them. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a lot, give us a call. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Before we get to the phones here, uh, what other big topics are we looking at uh, during lame duck? I'll start with you, Shana. Um, I think the one that has been being whispered, well, not even really whispered about at this point, but discussed is the potential of more discussions on auto no faults. This is the, I mean, it really wouldn't be a lame duck session without discussion <laughs> of wow, how we no can faults. change <laughs> our, our state's incredibly high uh, auto insurance rates. Um, you know, there are some discussions about that going on, um, as I'm sure people in Detroit are aware. Uh, Dan Gilbert had recently said that he is really making a push for changes to the state's auto no-fault law, and he says that if the legislature won't get it done, he's going to take it to the voters and try and get together a ballot initiative. Out of his own pocket. Um, out of his own pocket. When those things are pricey, so, you know, <laughs> if anybody can do it, it's probably him. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's a possibility. That's something that is being talked about. Um, another interesting thought was, uh, actually, I saw it on Twitter by Chad Livengood, which is that maybe lawmakers might try and fix the darn roads for Gretchen Whitmer before she can even come into office. Mm. And the question becomes, you know, is there enough votes there to put something together that would really kind of dampen uh, her ability to make a huge deal out of fixing the state's roads and, you know, are they going to be willing to put money in certain places and, and, you know, find ways to get that taken care of and maybe take a little bit of the wind out of her sails. So we'll see about that. And then really a lot of times with lame duck, there's just, a, it's not always, it's just, there's so much. So there's just a lot of bills out there. There's pet issues for different lawmakers that are maybe not coming back next year or are worried that their issue wouldn't get signed by a democratic governor. So we've got things like, uh, bail, like overhauls to the state's bail bail system for for jails. Um, we've got, you know, civil asset forfeiture is a possibility. Should we have schools go to a letter grading system for ranking our schools? There's just a lot of little things. I think I think I heard that maybe even a bill to let dogs on patios at restaurants <laughs> yes. is potentially going to get moved on through during lame duck. I mean, the really, important things just... that matter to Michigan voters. Exactly. I mean, I it want Fido on my patio. Owners, right? <laughs> True. No, sorry, <laughs> Stephen. No offense, Stephen. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, there's just, there's so, I mean, when you say like, what's the big, you know, I think the big things for lame duck are going to be those ballot proposals, potentially auto no fault. Um, and then, you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be some sort of surprise at some point that we haven't even thought of. And it's like, oh, where'd this come from? Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I was going to say that, uh, as Shana said, it would not be lame duck without a conversation about auto no fault. I mean, every single, it's not even just lame duck. It's at the end. It's in December of every single year. I was trying to think of metaphors or analogies for this. <laughs> and I came up with a few, whether it's Charlie Brown in the football or if it's uh, the horror movie where no matter how many times you watch it, the guy still get slashed in the attic, you know. But I think that the best I think the best it metaphor is the Michael Myers. Exactly. <laughs> I think the best uh, metaphor though is that if you hope to see something get done with auto no fault in uh, the legislature in lame duck, 
it's a lot like being a Lions fan, right? Mm. It's Ooh. like every single year you have this weird hope, right? <laughs> this thing, this idea that something might happen, that this might be the year, right? And every single year it never it materializes. True. Now, in all seriousness, though, I mean, I think that um, one of the things, one of the things that people should realize, especially here in Detroit, that. The things that could easily get votes that would be major changes to the insurance system, whether it's a fraud authority or whether it's ending what a lot of people call insurance redlining that makes these uh, auto rates dependent so much on where you live, your, your zip code could have been done years ago, easily. They had the votes for these things years and years ago. The problem with that is that to have real comprehensive in reform, a lot of people in the, law, in the legislature say that you have to include those things with the really controversial things like setting fee schedules, medical fee schedules, or uh, capping benefits for people who are involved in catastrophic auto accidents, that you can't separate those things because then you won't be able to get the votes for the really controversial things. So um, that it's not that these things are impossible to do. It's just that the tactics lawmakers have been taking and the strategy they've been taking over the years has made it impossible for these things to move. Hmm. I also wonder whether some of the things that Rick Snyder has made sort of standard practice in in Lansing over the eight years he's been there, the the early nature of budgets getting done, mm. the two-year budgeting that he has, some of the safeguards that he's really put into place to try to make sure things don't go off the rails economically, I wonder whether there will be some effort or at least some discussion about, can we make these things permanent and prevent the next governor from mucking around in those things. I, I don't know how that would work, but uh, I, I feel like that would be important to this current governor. One of the reasons that I think that this lame duck session might not be as crazy as the early ones in the Snyder administration is because I think there's a feeling amongst a lot of Republicans that they've done a lot of those things. I mean, when it comes to the tax overhauls, when it comes to uh, ways that we attract businesses in Michigan or the, you know, the so-called economic gardening that happens that those were the big fights that happened early. And those are the things that sort of <laughs> sailed through mm -hmm. when uh, Governor Snyder first took office. Um, it's an interesting question about the two-year budgeting and about getting budgets done earlier. Um, I don't know exactly how you... I mean, it, it is really the legislature's purview to keep those going, and Republicans will still have control. So it will be up to them how quick the budget moves through. I don't know how um, I don't know how you know interested people are in putting that into some sort of statute or constitutional yeah. amendment. Yeah, uh, let's get to, to the phones here. We got some folks who want to talk lame duck. Uh, let's start with Elizabeth in Rochester. Elizabeth, what's on your mind? Hi, good. Hi, good morning. Um, I'd. Uh like to, you to address Senate Bills 1182 and 1183, uh, so-called loser pays laws. Uh, this legislation has been introduced by, Mark, by Mike Shirky uh, out of the 16th District in Hillsdale. It is a gift to the insurance industry. What this would do is to change Michigan's current law from the English rule. Under the English rule, if you go to court and you lose your case for some reason, what any kind of a case, you might be subject to have to pay attorney fees under our existing statutes um, because you brought it in bad faith. So we already have all this legislation. But in changing, I'm sorry, I, I just misspoke. We have the American rule. 
this that's the American rule I just spoke about. Mm-hmm. We this legislation would change us to the English rule, which would mandate a court to uh, require the party who did not prevail for some reason to pay the other side's attorney fees. On the surface, this might look good, but when you get down to the weeds, it's horrible. What are we going to do in family? I'm a family law attorney. What are we going to do, for example, in uh, a domestic relations case? How are we going to figure out who prevails in a divorce case? All the, 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 this legislation is designed to do is to make sure that less people go to court and sue their insurance companies mm. or sue, a uh, say, a manufacturer of a defective product. Um, we shouldn't let this slip by because, again, this is going to burn the little guy. Yeah. And I don't know how our courts are going to be able to uh, uh, even even comply, but it's going to be awful. So please talk about that. Thank you so much. Uh, Elizabeth, I really appreciate your calling and, and bringing that issue up. And I think it's a great example of exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about, that, that a lot of things get brought up. Uh, in lame duck or handled in lame duck, and people don't know about them. People don't know what the issue is. People don't know what they should think about it. And to be honest, uh, given given the the paucity, I guess, of uh, of reporters left covering Lansing in this state. Of course, the two of you are exceptions to that. Uh, th- th- there's just not a lot of ways for people to learn about uh, all these things and then reach out to their legislators and say, hey, I like this or I don't. Uh, Shana, do you have thoughts about uh, what Elizabeth is talking about here? Yeah, I mean, about this bill specifically, these bills specifically, I I have not uh, heard of them. I have not seen them. I just did some quick Googling, and it looks like they were just introduced on November 8th, um, and they are Mm. waiting a committee hearing. That's kind of Um, ominous, anything that's uh, introduced on November 8th, (laughs) right? The day after the election. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm I'm trying to scroll through uh, this bill right now, and and just, you know, based on what I know, which is just... you know, I, I have a law degree, but I, you know, civil, uh, I was never a civil attorney and that was not my practice. But based on what I know from there is it's usually customary, particularly in cases where there are damages. So if you are suing some, like, let's say you're suing your neighbor for, you know, a broken fence or something like that, usually in my experience, it's been pretty customary for when the judge is going through and figuring out damages that whoever it was in the wrong has to pay the other uh, party's attorney fees. Um, so I don't know exactly how bro- how much this would broaden the scope of that, or how uh, or or how this would you know bleed into family court. Um, obviously, if she's a family court attorney, she would know more about this than I would. Um, but yeah, no, this is definitely an example of something that. Uh, you know, there are only so many of us on the Capitol Press Corps, and there are a lot of bills that have been introduced over the last few weeks mm-hmm. and that we will have to be trying to track down. Um, and this is something that could potentially slip through the radar. So um, I appreciate the caller bringing it to our attention. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, you know, I'll definitely be looking into this more and seeing what the deal is there and what the the purpose of it is. Yeah, I I read a great uh, write-up about pending bills from the Gongwer News Service in Lansing about what might come up in lame duck. And I think, uh, you know, the uh, what they said was there's something like 200 bills that are still, you know, awaiting some sort of action. Now, they're not going to pass 200 bills during lame duck. But I mean, it just shows that there's just sort of, it, it, it would not be lame duck without auto insurance. It also would not be lame duck without all the bills that you have no idea whether they're going to come up or not. Usually, it's, you know, again, two or three o'clock in the morning on the last day of lame duck. And suddenly all these controversial bills come out of nowhere that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly you have to try to 
figure out what is a huge change, what's not a huge change, what the actual language of some of these are, especially if they were amended, uh, which is usually the case. They're called vehicle bills, um, you know, bills that seem innocuous at first, but then they, you There's know, all kinds of other stuff in them. Yeah, exactly. They just change them out for something that really, uh, you know, is different and more controversial. So that's what lame duck is. There are a lot of issues. Sometimes it's weeks before we really know uh, what changes the legislature has made, even into the new year. Yeah, I, I want to use a word to describe all of this: chicanery. That's what I think it is. It is all chicanery. It is. It is. It is people acting in a way that they probably shouldn't and know they shouldn't uh, to try to get stuff done before uh, they they leave office or change chambers or, or something like that. But that's actually one of my favorite words. I just wanted. To, I just wanted <laughs> word to of the say day. that on it the works. Air, it works. Right? Uh, and Governor Rick Snyder often says he's like you know at the end of the year the Christmas present that he gets from the legislature is a giant stack of bills on yeah. his desk. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would call that a present. Um, (laughs) But he said that he is expecting that uh, quote unquote present uh, yet again this year for his final lame duck session. All right. uh, Shana Roth, Capitol reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network and Jake Neer, producer here on Detroit Today, co-hosts of Mishmash. Thanks very much for helping us sort through the craziness of lame duck. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Up next, we're going to talk with a Republican lawmaker from Southeast Michigan about what he expects in the lame duck session and about his ideas about how to fix the damn roads. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation altogether. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I am Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you have joined us. Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer said she will fix Michigan roads if she won. But to do anything in Lansing, she's going to need to be able to convince a legislature that is still controlled by Republicans. So are we about to see an era of cooperation in Lansing, or are we going to see an era of obstruction? We try to invite people into the studio from time to time who see things a little differently than I do, maybe sit across the political spectrum. And this week, we have invited Pete Lucido, who is a Republican state representative from Shelby Township. He represents the 36th district there, but he is also the state senator-elect from that region. He won uh, the chance to go to the higher chamber on November 6th. Pete Lucido, welcome to Detroit Today. Man, good morning, Stephen, and yeah. good morning to all the listeners out there that are making their way through the snow. Yeah, oh, right, I know. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be with us now for, for a while. Um, so I want to talk uh, I want to talk about roads uh, with you because you're somebody who is not just a member of the legislature, but a member with a plan. Let's call you that. Uh, you're somebody who's thought about this a lot, and you think you have a way to to manage all this better so that uh, so that we're not in the situation we're in now. Talk about uh, what your idea is. Sure. Gretchen Whitmer, our governor-elect, um, she needs the legislature, both in the House and the Senate, to pass anything. So make no mistakes about it. It's a majority of the Republicans, and she's a Democrat. And as a result, either we're going to work from day one together or nothing's going to get done, and that's not beneficial to the taxpayers. I had a plan last term 
uh, the voters overwhelmingly said, do not tax me anymore, please. They did this at the polls themselves, 80% to 85% of my district. So I was a no on the gas tax because that's like all my life, my children's life, my grandchildren's life, et cetera. I was a no on the registration fee. We have a pie that's there. It's called Public Act 51. It's been around 67 years. It is called Public Act 51 because it was passed in, in 1951. 1951. Yes. <laughs> so we've had a lot of changes, just like we do with autonomous cars coming, like we do with electric cars coming, or that they're already there, gas, natural gas cars that don't use gasoline. And we had to figure that out when this law was passed, how we're going to get some more road money. At the time, I had an option, an alternative, because a good legislature can say no. A great legislature will say no, but have an alternative as a plan. We have over $22 billion in the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Fund. I want to use the interest only from that fund and put it towards the roads and infrastructure. Our governor said in the infrastructure plan currently, Governor Schneider said, we have to do some real good maneuvering because we got to bring up the standards that we have in the state of our infrastructure, which includes our roads, our bridges, and our water system underneath, which you can't see. So so talk about how that fund works now yeah. and what the changes that you want to make to it. The Michigan Catastrophic Claims Fund currently is a fund that after they pay out, the insurance company pays on your claim for an automobile accident of 565000 Every dollar that comes out afterwards comes out of the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Association, also known as MCCA. That will pay your hospital care, your what's called health care benefits moving forward after 565 paid by your own company. And it's ironic that that is a publicly held, a privately held, privately held fund. The legislature did that way before we all got there. It's ironic that we can't even see how they assess a claim. It's ironic that we don't know how much the fund manager's making. I could go on and on, but look, it. I want to get right to the heart of it so the listeners understand. There's over a billion dollars a year in interest coming in off that fund. That's enough money there to put towards those roads to get them up to snuff because we have been doing nothing but patchwork in this state. We have the money that's available. I know that Gretchen Whitmer the governor-elect will have to look at alternatives to get money because I don't think we're in a position to be taxed anybody, anything. I know I'm not. So I'm speaking for myself. I'm and, not. And the, this is an idea to, to get into the catastrophic claims fund that's floated around every once in a while. And, and the argument against it, or one of the arguments Policy. against it, is, is right. Uh, but but, but let, me, let me stop for a minute, Stephen. We have to look at, number one, they had lap belts when I started driving a car. Number two, we had thinner steel. Number three, we didn't have computers running our car. We are on our way to autonomous cars coming, which means computers make less mistakes than humans. And the last thing is, the equipment and machinery that we have at hospitals today, we have less population in the state, and most of the baby boomers, once they're sucked through the tube where they can't drive anymore, who's going to take all that money that's in that fund? We could use it right now. We could do a really good job on those roads, and we'll have less catastrophic injuries, which is part of the policy, I believe. So one of the things that, that I guess I'm a little puzzled by is, is the idea that, I mean, this is a safety net fund, right? This is a fund that exists to try to cover 
claims that that we don't know whether we're going to have or not. And and you're right, absolutely. Cars are safer now than they've ever been. Hospitals are better at saving people from catastrophic injury uh, than than they have been before. But we actually can't predict mm. what will need. And and the idea that 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 fund is there really protects us. It's almost like the rainy day fund that we try to build up at the state level in, in, in state coffers, right? That we don't know what's going to happen that we might need cash for to, to deal with that. And so we don't touch that or Patrick, we think we shouldn't touch that. Patrick McFarlane, who is the DIFS director, Department of Insurance and Financial Services, has never had a hearing on how they assess a claim. So if they're assessing it over 100 years old that somebody's going to live, we know that most people that have catastrophic injuries that have what's called uh, organs that are affected usually die within three years. These are doctors telling me this. The other part of the equation is this. Every year they make assessments. This is the highest it's ever been last year. They're putting, we're putting $195 in from our cars. So I own two cars, my wife and I. We're only going to be driving one car when we have a catastrophic injury. If I had five cars and I have a sports car and everything else like that, which I don't. You can't drive them all at the same time. And you could only get injured in one car. But we're paying over, there's 7 million vehicles, 7 million, I didn't stutter, that are paid into this. And as a result, there's over a billion, four, billion, five coming in because there's 7 million vehicles paying in, almost 200. Their interest alone is over a billion and they only paid 900 million worth of claims. There's a surplus every single year. Why is it that the taxpayers are paying in when there's a surplus? And who's going to get that money when it's all said and done with? So I want to make sure now that we're keeping everybody honest because this money's going in there. We're never going to know what happened. But if that plan doesn't work, Stephen, there is an alternative plan. It's mm-hmm. called a Lacito plan. <laughs> and it goes like this. Southeast Michigan, which is Wayne, Oakland, Macomb, part of Genesee, and you could even say some of the more populated areas, such as when you're talking about Grand Rapids. The densest part of our population, the one that are registering the most cars, because everybody knows that the registration fee goes exclusively to the roads. Yes. The registration money should be kept in the location of which the car has been registered, which means Southeast Michigan, if we register a car here, I live in Macomb, people live in Wayne, people live in Oakland, people live in Port Huron, Genesee. Wherever it is, that money should be exclusively dedicated to the roads on which they drive on. Stephen, I know that I drive to the Capitol. Tomorrow morning, I'll be on my way there in the morning, and I drive back again. If I pump gas in Macomb County, but I have to refill it up again when I get up to Lansing, that gas tax should be exclusively kept to where the pump is actually meeting the car. And I think that that's the way it should go because we have seen a deficit to the southeast Michigan. Yes. And if Gretchen wants to talk with me on that, I invite that conversation. Yeah. And this is the this is the Public Act 51 dynamic which it, which takes some of those dollars and redistributes them uh, to places that are much smaller, have lower populations uh, and and not as many roads. I mean, you have and it it, it is a kind of nonsensical uh, approach. I mean, you you're you're repaving roads all the time in Michigan in places that people do not drive while we're not taking care of the roads in places where most people live. Uh, At the same time, no one has ever been able to muster the political will to to deal with this that way. I mean, if you count 
the number of people who represent uh, in our legislature, those folks in those smaller places. I mean, you've got to convince them to do this. And I, I guess I'm count myself among the dubious there. Well, watch this. If <laughs> we have Mayor Duggan down here and we have Gretchen Whitmer that understands Southeast Michigan, because let's face it, I mean, her voters that voted her in, who they heard, she's going to fix the roads, are from Southeast Michigan. It is Wayne, Oakland, Macomb. She took the votes there. It is also the Grand Rapids area. I'm just letting her know this. If you get the bank of those voters that are in the House and in the Senate, you win. It's a bipartisan effort. Here's why. If we have the most truck traffic down in southeast Michigan pounding on our roads down here, and we have the most vehicle traffic by way of registration, and I've got it. There's 83 counties. So if I'm registering my vehicle in Macomb County, Macomb should get the tax dollars from my registration to put to benefit the roads in where my car is normally driven, where my vehicle is. And on top of it, it makes a great policy argument that says, why should my dollars from Southeast Michigan? And I use this because I can stand up and say, I looked at how many registrations are there. Why should my dollars go up north? When I go up north and pump my gas, when I visit Traverse City and go see how beautiful the up north area is, I will pay the tax at the pump and so, leave that money there. So I might argue, I might argue that, that uh, from a standpoint of policy making, I think it makes some sense for all of us to be thinking not just about where we live and keeping our dollars uh, there, but but thinking about the whole state and making sure things uh, making sure that sure things are taken care of the way they need to everywhere for everybody. But but I also admit that that's not what we're doing now, right? We're not. We're at the other extreme now where uh, where there's so much money being taken out of populous areas and sent to less populous areas that it, that it, that it doesn't make sense. I, here, here's my other question for you. I mean, I think these are, these are really interesting ideas. The problem in Lansing has never been a dearth of interesting ideas. It's been the lack of Oats. ability to get people together to say, well, here's the good idea we're all going to go with. And I think that's the challenge that uh, Governor-elect Whitmer is going to face, is you've got so many people who think, well, this is the way I would like to do it you've got to find a way to, to bring them together. And so I guess my question to you is, these are your ideas. Right. Are you open to other ideas? Are you open to other ways to fund the roads? Here's what I am open to. I'm not going to expand the pie. I think of it like mom's old apple pie that she used to make for me. It fits in that tin that's eight inches in diameter. And I'm not going to expand it to 10 or 12 by so taxing people. you're not going to raise new revenue? No way. And here's why. There's nobody that can tell me that we can just cut the pie a little differently and fund those areas that are most affected, which means this. If the roads are not having the dense traffic or vehicle traffic on it, and southeast Michigan is getting pounded with all the car plants down here, with all the big trucks that are you know doing every interstate going on, I don't want to touch the federal money through Public Act 51. Let it go the way it goes to the interstate. But we don't have a toll road to take that amount of traffic off of it like they do in Ohio, and the interstate is being less traveled because of the toll road. We only have our interstate, and as a result, it's getting bloodied pounded every single day. And with the weather that we have now and the way we don't maintain our roads because the money's not there, 
let's reshape the pieces of the pie in the eight inch tin before you expand the pie because we have to fix 51 first before we get to more money. Mm. If you can prove to me that we need more money after we reshape those pieces of the pie, then I'll sit there and have a bigger discussion so, with you. So for you, it's not so much that you don't believe we need more money. You believe that if we need more money, what has to happen first is that we spend the money we have more fairly or more effectively. More fairly. It's called fairness. It's called equity. Pete Lacido says, as a legislator, I go to Lansing to do a job, not get a job. I look at it as a business proposition. If we need more resources in Southeast Michigan to fix what is badly broken, and that's the first look people get when they come in from out of state, they want to open businesses up here, then by all means, please encourage that money that is first brought in by registration. I feel that we're being somewhat slighted mm. and, and unequally treated when you're taking my dollars from my registration and putting it up north. That's not right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we've got some callers who want to participate in this conversation. We will get to them, and we will continue our conversation with Pete Lucido, Republican State Representative and State Senator-elect from Shelby Township. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Pete Lucido. He's a Republican state representative from Shelby Township. He represents the 36th district in the state house, but he is also the state senator-elect from that region. He will be moving from the House to the Senate come January. He's here as part of Opposite Monday when we invite in somebody who thinks about things a little differently than I do, somebody who maybe sits across the political spectrum. We have been talking about roads so far. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer won the governor's race this year by saying she would fix the damn roads. She didn't say exactly how she would do it, but Pete Lucido has a couple of ideas. He wants to take a look at the Catastrophic Claims Fund, which is a lot of money that sits there to help people who are injured in accidents, doesn't often get spent, uh, but uh, he would like to say, well, let's take a look at that, a closer look at how that money is spent and maybe move some of it over to help fix the roads. He'd also like to reconsider the way Public Act 51 distributes some taxes and fees here in the state of Michigan. A lot of money goes to small places uh, that don't need it uh, for their roads. Uh, a lot of money gets extracted out of southeast Michigan, where the largest population center is. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will try to work you into the conversation. Let's start with Marion from Detroit. Marion, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, thanks. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just thinking, I grew up in the city of Detroit, and I totally agree our roads in all of southeast Michigan need a ton of work. Um, that said, my wife is actually from the UP, and the roads up there, I will say, are a lot better than they are down here. Um, but just because there's not as many people living up there, I don't think that they should get any less funding than what they already have because they have really intense weather conditions. Um, and it's really important to keep the roads doing well, no matter how many people are living there. Um, and so I'm just kind of concerned that 
if we really base it off only how many people are living in each place um, based off the or, or like um, visitation via gas taxes that then places like the UP will be completely hmm. left out in the dark. So, um, Marion, thanks very much for the call and the question. Pete, I, I think what you're saying is slightly different than the way Marion yeah. understands it. You're not saying base it off population. You're saying that when you pump uh, tank a gas in the UP, the the part of uh, the taxes that that go to this this part this fund that's created by Public Act fifty one would stay there in the UP. Uh, if you pump that same tank of gas in Southeast Michigan, it would stay here. So it's not right now. It's based off some sort of population uh, consideration, right? Uh, it is a it is a mirage, is what it is. Yeah. It is so difficult to even, and that's that's part of the reason people feel the way they do about government is that they've made these laws by putting in Christmas tree ornaments and they've made them so complex that it's not clear cut. And 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 when you're looking at Public Act 51, you're taking into what's called interstate roads. And Marion, I want you to realize I'm not taking a dime away from interstate. That federal funding will go right through Public Act 51 and most of those roads that gets me up to Traverse City, that gets me up to Mackinac City, those roads are interstate, and that money will still be transferred down to the interstate to make sure that those roads are pristine, and they are pristine. And this is a question about local roads. Local roads, and and, and every county has its own challenges. Cities are outside of Public Act 51, and there's 383 cities in the state, but you know, our, most of it is what's called townships, and there's over 1,200 townships, and going through Public Act 51 is disingenuous because— it's not basing it where the heavy vehicular traffic and or truck traffic is. It needs to be going there. Yeah. Uh, Marion, thanks for the call and the questions. Let's go to Neil at Selfridge Air Base. Neil, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just wanted to uh, ask a question because my understanding is that if the, all of the gas taxes are coming from, quote, at the pump, unquote, then that means that a number of companies and corporations don't pay that tax. Oh, they do. Um, because if the money is only coming from the pump and they buy their fuel wholesale, don't they avoid paying those taxes? And if that is true, then shouldn't the taxes be collected at the refinery instead of at the pump? Neil, great question. Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, Pete Lucido, talk about uh, yeah. wholesale gas yeah. taxes. You've got the, the refineries that are producing the gas. They sell it down to the wholesalers. The gas tax is kind of like a drip down. It goes from the wholesaler who pays the tax to the refinery, and then the tax is paid again at the pump from the what's called the retailers. So the tax is a, is a pass-through, goes all the way up, and it gets delivered to the state. It gets delivered at the wholesale—I'm sorry, at the, at the refinery level. So we all understand if they made so many gallons, we already know that that tax is going to be implanted in per gallon price by how much is going to be distributed out to the retailers that we ultimately consume, and the price at the pump is built in the tax. So, so it's a great question, though. Although, even though that's all uh, true, it's still true that that as uh, a percentage of, of taxes and, and income and, and our economy, we, we spend less or we pay less into our roads than other states. Even though the taxes themselves are high, mm -hmm. we just are not keeping pace. We, we with, have with never, other we have never maintained roads by way of maintenance. We've always just kept patching, and that's what we've never done. We never put in the new roads that are necessary, and eventually the base is washed out. There is another question that one must ask, and it's this: 
the pieces that we need to realize is these bridges are going bad. And if we don't get federal match dollars for those bridges, we're all in big trouble here. Sure. So, I, <laughs> I, you know, I also wonder whether you think this is something that could get handled in lame duck mm. with the current governor as opposed to waiting for Governor-elect Whitmer. I'd be all and in for that. And, and you know what? I'd be all in for that. But the bills have just been put in. They haven't even, they haven't even been read in yet. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is something we kick it off with because, you know, let's face it. Uh, Governor-elect Whitmer has said unequivocally she wants to get rid of the tax on the pensions. She wants to fix the darn roads. She wants to go ahead and, 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 and fund more money in education. All this stuff sounds great, but she needs a partner, and that's called the legislature. So I'd like to have that sit down hmm. uh, with the caucuses and say, look, it, we're all in for the road fixing. I mean, this is not something that I, 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 I despise the fact that people coming from out of state and said, what the heck's wrong with these roads here in, in, in Michigan? Yeah. The reality is it's going to take either more funding, which I'm not willing to do that right now. I want to reshape a piece of the pie, and let's see – Let's clean up Southeast Michigan, everyone, and also Grand Rapids area because these are heavily populated. Uh, again, thanks for the call, Neil. And the question, uh, let's go to Edward in Ypsilanti. Edward, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Hey. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Oh, thank uh, you. I, I wanted to tie in uh, earlier, Mr. Lucido, uh, when he was talking about auto insurance, said that he wanted to keep everyone honest. And that made me think about your earlier guests. Uh, talking about the lame duck session, and um, and I want to ask uh, if it's being honest, uh, the deceptive and unath- unethical uh, manipulation that the Republicans are doing with the minimum wage and worker sick leave. Mm. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, no, it does, Edward. I, I understand exactly what you're saying, that Republicans intervened in, in voters' uh, wishes to try to deal with those issues last uh, this year. Uh, now they may go back and tweak them again and do what the voters didn't want. Is that okay, Pete? I mean, it, you know, here's what you have here. You know, you want to stay about honest. First of all, there has never been a discussion with the restaurants, because most of the people that I spoke to that are waitresses or waiters said, I need the tip, Pete. I don't need a wage. If there's no one coming in to eat, I can't feed myself, nor can I pay my bills. So if you're going to go give them $12 an hour and they don't get any more tip like they do in Europe, that's but, not fair at all because that's guys, not enough to spend. You guys stopped us as as citizens from making that decision for ourselves. Don't say us. Hold on a second. Us, the uh, citizens. Hold on. The, the, the legislature goes through the votes. If there was enough energy in regards to what was put before uh, the House or the Senate, then it should have it, it should have passed. But if you listen to the, the, the individuals that came in, these are the workers. They want to have another discussion, and we didn't give them time. I think we have to agree to disagree on that, but, <laughs> okay. but I definitely appreciate you being here. Pete Lucido, Republican State Representative from Shelby Township. Congratulations on your election to the Thanks. Senate. We'll talk appreciate to you soon, that. too. Yeah. All right, right that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.